I'm your host, Madeline, and welcome to The Courageous Podcast, where you will hear inspirational stories every Monday and Thursday of everyday people who will share how they found strength, hope, and faith in the midst of adversity. Let's get ready to be inspired. Today, I want to welcome you to The Courageous Podcast. I'm your host, Madeline Hernandez. To everyone who's been supporting this podcast for the last couple of months, I want to say thank you so much, and I truly appreciate you. If this is the first time that you're tuning in, I thank you for taking the time to listen. But I do encourage you to go back and listen to all the courageous stories that have been aired so far. And whether it relates to you or not, these real-life stories will definitely encourage you and bless your life. A couple of weeks ago, I was on a call with a few of my friends who are also fellow entrepreneurs, and I was telling them how touching and powerful it was having them share their stories on the Courageous Podcast, but they were encouraging me to share one of my stories so people could get to know me as well. Now, I had been thinking about this even before I started the podcast, but I was having a hard time with it as I've always been a very private person. So as I was prepping to record this episode, I felt led to share my journey of infertility and miscarriage. These two stories literally went hand in hand. But what I didn't realize was all the mess, hurt, and pain that happened in between. So for that reason, I was very hesitant because now I'm in the hot seat, just like my guests are. Now I'm preparing to share, but was afraid of being vulnerable. I have had so many people tell me, thank you for helping me tell my story and giving me the courage to share. And I feel so free now, but now I had to find a way to do that myself. So today I'm going to share one of my courageous stories and open up about a difficult time in my life and how I was able to overcome. And so a little bit about myself, which I haven't shared as of yet. I was born and raised in Chicago, Illinois. My parents were both born in Puerto Rico, and they moved to Chicago when they were teenagers. My mom was just 18 years old when she had me. Financially, times were tough. Back in the 70s, the minimum wage was $1.60 an hour. I can't even imagine that. They both worked factory jobs to make ends meet, and even though they struggled, we never ever went without food or clothes. We had what we needed, which was always enough for me, and I didn't care much about the extras. You know, somehow I was always proud of my parents and knew that they were doing the best to provide for my brother and I. When I was around 10 years old, I experienced my first menstrual cycle. And like every other girl, I was devastated and not happy about it at all. I remember we lived in a six-unit building on California Fullerton in the Logan Square area in Chicago. And I was screaming my head off and telling my mom to help me and tell me what was going on. But from the beginning, I was having issues and not experiencing a normal cycle. And then eventually it just stopped. But every so often when I would go to the doctor, they would say, 
you know, because you don't have a regular cycle, you may not be able to have children in the future. And as a teenager, that was like the last thing on my mind. I was too young to be afraid of that possibility. And so I figured, hey, I'll cross that bridge when I come to it. As I went into my 20s and met my future husband, I started to worry. What if I can't have kids? What if my husband leaves me? What if I miss out on the joy of having a child? And so all these things start creeping into my head. And I was so, so scared. As a woman, one of the greatest joys you can experience is that of motherhood. And I learned that many, many years later. So my husband and I got married in May of 1995. And the first several years were really hard on us financially. I was 24 and he was 22. And we were just two kids in love. But we had no clue what it was like to live on our own and pay bills. And after a couple of years, we split up for about 10 months. And eventually, we ended up getting divorced. And for a lot of people, that'll probably be really surprising. Now, the whole journey is crazy, funny, and life-changing. And I'm not going to go into that right now. But my husband and I hope to share it in a future podcast to encourage all of our married couples. And so needless to say... We got back together, thankfully, and decided we were going to buy a house to start building our future. About a year after we bought our house, we decided that maybe it was time to start thinking about having a baby. And so now it's 1999, I'm 28 years old, and I figured if I was going to have a chance at getting pregnant, I needed to start the process. And so I thought the next logical step would be to go see my gynecologist to just talk through the possibility of getting pregnant. And she did some preliminary tests, but decided it was best that I see a specialist. And so she sent me to a doctor by the name of William Valley, who worked at Fertility Centers of Illinois in Highland Park. And when I met him, I was just connected to him immediately. He was so kind, and I just felt like I was in the right place. He had a great success rate, and he assured me that he would do everything he could so that I could have a baby. So I drove home that day feeling very hopeful, and I couldn't wait to tell my husband the amazing news. And so Dr. Valley had me do a long series of tests to try to determine if there was even a possibility of me getting pregnant. And he asked my husband to come in and do some similar tests. My husband's tests came out perfect, which was great news. But the doctor said that my results stated that my follicles were not developing properly. And I thought to myself, what in the world is a follicle? I had no idea. I was like, talk to me in just plain English. And so basically what he was trying to tell me is that my eggs were not maturing or big enough to have any chance of being fertilized. And so I had to begin the process of taking pills and doing hormone injections at home just to speed up the process so that hopefully eventually I could get pregnant. And let me tell you, I've always hated needles. So having to do this for myself was so difficult and I hated it every single time that I had to do it. And when you start this process, you're so excited and you're willing to do whatever it takes to get pregnant. But over time, it wears you down. You get frustrated and you get tired. And at the end of every month when you're ovulating, you're going into the doctor's office three to four times a week 
to get your blood drawn, to pee in a cup, and to check your temperature. You walk in and you feel like you're in an assembly line with all these other women that are trying to accomplish the same thing. And now this meant that I had to get up at 5 a.m. to drive to Highland Park, which was about 20 miles away from my home, and then drive another 25 miles to work. And month after month, nothing was happening. And I began to get frustrated. And every time they told me that I wasn't pregnant, I would drive home in tears because I didn't want Rob to see how this was affecting me or that I felt like a failure. And every month I'm thinking, what if I can't have a baby? What if he leaves me? What am I going to do? And so after five months of trying, I was told that I was not pregnant again. I just drove home. And once again, I cried in the car. I remember walking into my front door and just sitting at the bottom of the stairs that led up to my bedroom and just started crying. At this point in my life, I had been saved for about a year and I was attending a local church called Armitage Baptist Church. And I remember praying so, so hard and just crying out and asking God, Lord, if you bless me with a baby, I promise to continue to serve you and tithe $100 to the church. And looking back at that, I just think of how immature I was in the Lord. I thought that I could make a deal with him, you know, so that I could get what I wanted. But I was desperate. And and that's how we are. You know, we call on the Lord when we need something sometimes. And that might be the only time that we call on him, right? Not realizing that when we create a covenant with God or a promise, we need to follow through and we need to take that really seriously. And so the following month on a Friday, the doctor calls me unexpectedly and says, Madeline, yesterday's test showed that you're ovulating and your eggs are ready to be fertilized. So I need you to come in tomorrow so that we can do artificial insemination in the hopes that one of those three eggs will get fertilized. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm like freaking out. I'm so happy. I'm so excited, but I'm nervous at the same time. And so I go in the next day with my mom. She drives with me. And at 8 a.m., and I have the procedure done, and the doctor says, go home, put your legs up along the wall, and just lay there for a couple of hours. And I'm thinking, is this guy crazy? Like, what are you talking about? But hey, I was desperate. And so I did that. And the next day, I felt a little bit different. I felt like maybe I was getting my period. I was feeling achy and uncomfortable. And I'm thinking, you know what? It's probably all the hormones that I'm taking and all the injections. And so I just kind of rested that day. On Monday, I went to work as usual, and I was telling my coworkers about my experience, and they had been on the journey with me. And one of my friends that worked with me, a really good friend of mine, Emily, tells me, hey, let's go pick up a pregnancy test, and on the way home, we'll just do the test and see if you're actually pregnant, right? And so I take the test, and those few minutes felt like a lifetime. And eventually, I see one pink line. And then a little bit later, I see a very light, barely visible pink line. And so, hey, two lines means you're pregnant, right? And we're trying not to get excited, but I was so hopeful. And something told me that I was pregnant because I just felt so different. And so at the end of that week, I go back to the clinic as usual, and I take a blood test. And thankfully, yes, 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 I was finally pregnant. And I was so, so happy. And the emotions that I felt in that moment 
were so overwhelming because after months of heartache, I was finally driving home crying tears of joy. And God truly answered my prayers. And I literally gave all the glory to him. And as I'm driving home, I'm thinking, okay, how am I going to tell my husband the news, right? I want him to be caught off guard. I want him to be excited. And so I think I'm going to go buy a card. And I found one that says, congratulations on becoming a father. And when he got home, I gave it to him. And he was looking at me like, what is this? This woman's giving me like a random card. And when he opened it, the look on his face was priceless. And he was so happy. And he just hugged me so tight. And I just cried again in his arms. Because my fears of not ever being able to have a baby were gone. And now my focus was taking care of myself to have a healthy baby. Now, one of the most important things that I learned on this journey is when you're going through infertility treatments, the key is to really try to minimize any type of stress because that can definitely impact your chances of getting pregnant. And your body reacts to that stress in such a negative way, and it hurts the chances of you getting pregnant. And I didn't realize that until much, much later. And so during that time that I was trying to get pregnant, I was going through one of the most painful times in my life. My mom and dad were having serious marital problems, and I tried my best to stay out of it and not pick sides because I had intervened in the past and it did not go well for me. You know, my dad had been having an affair for some time and everybody knew about it except my mom and I. But after seeing my mom suffer for so many months, I wanted to kind of step in and just have a simple conversation with my dad. And unfortunately, it didn't go well. And he said some things that day that are still etched in my mind so many years later. And anyone that says that words are just words and that they don't mean anything and that they don't hurt are completely wrong because they do. And we need to be mindful of the things that we say to the people that we love and the people around us. And so he stopped talking to me for a while, which was very normal uh, in my upbringing as a child and growing up. And he felt that I had taken sides. But the truth was, is that I wasn't really taking a side. What I was thinking was after 29 years of marriage, there should have been a little more respect and a little bit more honesty. And that's something that I think is so important in marriage. And so when I got pregnant, I thought, hey, maybe he'll be so happy that he'll let go of all this anger and we'll start building our relationship again, right? And I remember going to my parents' house and walking into the front door and he was watching TV as he normally did. And he didn't even look up. And I look at him and I said, hey, dad, I'm pregnant. I'm finally going to give you a grandchild. And there was this awful silence and it felt like an eternity. And he said, that's your problem, not mine. And I remember being devastated in that moment. You see, because growing up, I was a daddy's girl my whole life. Always wanted to please him. Always wanted to do things right so that he could be proud of me. And that day, something inside me just died. And it just confirmed that my daddy was no longer the person or the father that he once was. He was on his own journey, making his own decisions, struggling through his own life. And I just needed to move forward 
And so I walked out of that house broken. And the whole time that I was pregnant, I was suffering the loss of my dad. I never thought that you could mourn the loss of a loved one in life, that you could walk past them in the same place, know the same people, and pretend that you don't know each other. And I would cry in the car driving to work. I would cry if I saw a father and a daughter together. I would get up in the middle of the night and just crawl into a corner and cry, belly and all, so quietly because I didn't want my husband to hear me. And so eventually my mom told my dad to move out. My brother had left and was doing his own thing. And my sister didn't want to get into the middle of it, kind of like I didn't, because she too was struggling with her relationship with him. And so my mom and I were on our own for the first time. This should have been the happiest and most memorable time of my life. Not only for me and my husband, but with my family, but it wasn't. That Christmas in 1999, I'll never forget it. We spent Christmas, it was just me, my mom, my husband, and my big belly. (laughs) And I remember making a promise to myself that I would never, ever walk away from my mom. And that I was going to get her through this. I'm sorry. But I also vowed that I would always be present in my son's life. No matter what he did, no matter what he said, I was his mother. And I fought to have him. And I would never take that blessing that God gave me for granted. And that was when I realized that my family is my husband and my baby boy in my belly. And that I had to put them and their feelings first. And so on February 24th, I was almost nine months pregnant. And I was feeling some discomfort. And right when my husband and I were going to go to bed, I remember this so vividly. He he looks at my belly and he gets really close. And he starts talking to the baby and says, hey, it's your dad. And it's kind of late. So if you were thinking about coming out, I would really ask you to wait until the morning so that we could get some rest. (laughs) And boy, did that kid listen. On February 26, 2000, I was in labor for 23 hours and our beautiful baby boy was born. And I was so, so happy. And I remember the doctor putting him on my chest and he looked right into my eyes And the moment that he heard my voice, his head just turned. It's like he knew that I was his mom. And his eyes opened so wide. And he just stayed staring at me like in a trance. And my heart was so full. And the joy that I felt in that moment was so powerful. In that moment, all the pain that I had felt of my family being broken was gone. It didn't matter anymore. My life had changed in that instant. And I was now a mother and a wife with a beautiful family. And my focus was now being the best me for them. And so when my son was born, he took us on a journey. He had emergency surgery at two weeks old with something called pyloric stenosis, where They had to cut a hole in his lower esophagus near the stomach so that his food could stay down and he could digest it. 
Later, he was diagnosed with the type of reflux, and so he had to sleep propped up next to me for months. And so every time he would spit up or choke on his spit or a little bit of vomit, I would jump up because I would think, oh my God, my baby's choking. And I had this fear that that he was going to die in the middle of the night and that I wasn't going to hear him. And then he also struggled with upper respiratory infections and was hospitalized a couple times. Now, all this in the first 10 months of his life. So when I tell you that this kid kept us busy, I mean, he was my 100% focus. I was a full-time mom focused on my kid and we were exhausted. Later on, he was diagnosed with asthma. And for years, I felt like I lived in the doctor every week, making sure that he was okay and that he was well cared for. And I remember experiencing so many sleepless nights needing to give him breathing treatments because he was wheezing or he couldn't breathe. But when I look back, I wouldn't change any of it because he brought so much joy into our lives. And hey, I was a mom. I was a mom and I needed to be so grateful. And so today, my husband and I have been married for 25 years and our son is 20 years old and he has been the most amazing husband and father to our son. And as I said before, we were both so young and so immature. We had no idea what we were getting into when we got married. But God finds a way to help you through the difficult times and encourages you along the way, even if you don't see it. He teaches you lessons, and as hard as they are, it makes you stronger. And I'm so grateful that through it all, I didn't give up. And I trusted his plan for me. And so a couple of the things that I wanted to share was my motivation to push through was my husband and the desire that I had to have a family with him. And of course, being a new Christian at the time and just leaning on God was the foundation of my strength when I felt alone or frustrated. Looking back, you know, what I would have done differently was that I probably wouldn't have isolated myself so much as I did. I would seek help, maybe in a support group or counseling, but mostly maybe find somebody to talk to because all of that is so hard to kind of carry it around. The fears of not being able to have a baby, you know, the fears of any other struggles that you might be going through. And you don't want to feel alone as you're going through this process. I thought it was important for me to share today because I know there's so many women struggling with infertility and they might want to give up, but just know that you're not alone. And that God is with you and knows your heart. Be strong and just continue to trust his plan. And so if somebody's listening today, my advice would be to minimize any stress in your life and to seek help from a professional to get to the root of the problem and maybe why you're unable to have a baby. Maybe consider a surrogate. Things have changed so much in the last 20 years. Of course, you could consider adoption or fostering a child. And if for some reason you cannot or were not able to have a child, God still has a plan for you and for your life. And there are so many kids and young people looking for a mother and a father figure or a mentor. So pray to God and just seek them out and give them the love that you have and that they so deserve. And that might sound easy coming from me, right? Because I am a mom already. But these were the things that kept me going. 
when I was going through my journey. This would be my second, my third, my fourth option, whatever it took for me to experience being a mom and loving a child. And I pray that you think about that and you just pray to God and ask him for wisdom. Later on, I learned that my plan to have another child was not God's plan. And years later, I understood the why. And it was very, very difficult. And so I'm going to end with that today. And I want you to stay tuned to part two of my story from infertility to miscarriage. Thank you for listening today. May God bless you and keep you. Until next time. Hey, Courageous Community. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope you were encouraged today. If you have a courageous story or want to connect with today's guest, email us at courageouspodcast2020 at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Courageous Podcast. Until next time, continue to be strong and courageous. Courageous.